vaccine mandates, Afghanistan, and border issues? We got a lot to talk about today. I'm Nico Fideli. And I'm Brittany Fideli. And this is For, For the, the Republic. Republic. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Ask not what your country can do for you. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Welcome back to For the Republic. Thank you so much for checking out this week's episode. Please be sure to like the episode and share it with all your friends. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing. Click on the bell icon to be notified when a new episode drops every Sunday night at 7 p.m. We have a lot to talk about today. What do we have up first? So the first thing that we uh, have to talk about is actually the vaccine mandate that Governor Andrew Cuomo, or former Governor Andrew <laughs> Cuomo, uh, put in place before he was ousted as governor. And it basically requires all healthcare workers that work at state-run facilities to be vaccinated uh, by, I believe, September 24th, mm. I think is the deadline for the vaccinations. Um, otherwise, they have to be uh, they have to be either fired or resigned from their position. Right, yeah. So this is uh, circulated in the news recently because a U.S. judge has blocked the New York mandate for healthcare workers. So a judge out of Utica, this is courtesy of Reuters, a judge out of Utica, New York, in a written order said that he was blocking the mandate from taking effect uh, because it didn't allow exemptions based on workers' religious beliefs. Uh, so he he deemed that this was unconstitutional because there was really no exemptions uh, for religious beliefs. So a lot of confusion uh, when this first reported. It was first reported that uh, he just blocked it because mm -hmm. it was unconstitutional. Right. Um, but then it came out that it was because of religious beliefs. So Governor Hochul has until, I believe, September 22nd in order to respond. Yes. I don't know what her response is going to be. Um, well, I think she's already so far up. She came out Wednesday, I believe. And don't quote me on that because that could have been like Tuesday. Mm. Um, but she came out and she said that she uh, doesn't think that the religious exemption really has a leg to stand on. And uh, she doesn't see this going anywhere. So. Yeah, so we so want to we want to unpack response. Yeah, we want to unpack this a little bit. We want to talk about the constitutionality of this, uh, uh, the OSHA, what, what's OSHA's authority on this, uh, coming from the top down, and what's the morality issue on this? Does is there room for a religious exemption? Um, so first things first, I want to talk about uh, is this really unconstitutional? Mm -hmm. And the first thing that comes to mind, um, and this is this is coming from Interactive Constitution. Uh, you can look up there's a lot of cool things on there you can look up like old court cases and stuff like that um but uh back in 1905 there was actually uh something that went up to the supreme court and that was a vaccine mandate in massachusetts was uh, brought to the supreme court and there was a vaccine mandate against smallpox mm -hmm. and this was this is jacob jacobson versus massachusetts and it was voted a 7-2 majority that it was constitutional to have a smallpox vaccine. But the, the thing to keep in mind is that smallpox is very different from COVID, don't you think? Right. Uh, just a little bit. I think, <laughs> you know, percentage of survival-wise and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, so, I mean, just doing quick research, uh, if you have late, like, uh, late-term smallpox and, like, it didn't get taken care of, then you are basically dead. Like, 9 out of 10 people die from smallpox. Right. So... That's a very, it's almost completely opposite, even more mm -hmm. so, where you have a 98, 99% survival rate for COVID. Right. Uh, so this doesn't really deem as a public health emergency like smallpox for, per se was. Right. Um, so 
that's why that's why like the constitutionality is a little bit sketchy, a little bit gray mm-hmm. in this area. So and also like this stuff has been coming down by executive order, like right. th- where like smallpox, for example, was that was voted. Mm-hmm. So like the, I mean, it went through the proper channels um, It went through the legislative uh, branch of Massachusetts. It mm-hmm. wasn't just an executive order like our, our governors and our uh, federal government have been doing. So that's that's kind of like my take on the constitutionality of it. What do you what do you think? Right. Um, I, I agree. I think that there's really no constitutional support for uh, for these executive orders to mm-hmm. force people to vaccinate. I, I don't think that in any case really with something like this, that it should be up to one person to decide whether that person is the president or the governor or mm-hmm. anything else. That should be a decision that uh, is going through the court system to see the legalities and the constitutionality of it, um, even if it has to go up to the Supreme Court, which right now we ha- have a Supreme Court that's very heavy on honoring the Constitution. Constitution. So I think that, you know, they'll they'll be very careful to pay attention to what actually the Constitution says and how these things can or can't be enforced according to that. So I think yeah. that it's really important to go through the proper channels, I think, for a couple of reasons so that you don't have a, a dictator ship type uh, behavior out of your government, but also so that uh, people feel more comfortable knowing that there is a legality or there is a, a backing behind what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, do you think that uh this most recent mandate from uh, President Biden is going to reach the uh, Supreme Court, or do you think it won't make it that far? Uh, you know, it's interesting. There's a, I guess it depends on the judges that it goes before, because, you know, mm-hmm. you have a lot of liberal judges right now in the court system. Uh, a lot of them favor in, in, uh, on behalf of, of, uh, Things like this, so mm-hmm. things like mandates right, and yeah. these, these more extreme, uh, rulings, these more extreme, um, executive orders, things like that. So I think that we'll have to see. I do think probably it will end up before the Supreme Court. I, I'm not sure it's going to get struck down before that. And I think even if it does get struck down, I think somewhere they're just going to keep elevating and elevating and elevating until it does yeah. get to the Supreme Court, which I, I do think personally, I mean, my opinion is that I don't think the Supreme Court will uphold it. I don't think there's enough backing behind this mandate. I hope you're um, right. Yeah. So, but it is interesting to note that the mandate in New York for healthcare workers is actually different than the mandate that, that Joe Biden mm-hmm. uh, put forth because Joe Biden's mandate is actually for the private sector. He did right. put forth a federal uh, mandate as well that all federal employees, with exception of the Postal Service, yeah. wink, wink, <laughs> have to be vaccinated. Um, but the the mandate for the private sector, that's going through OSHA, whereas the uh, the mandates that Andrew Cuomo and and now Governor Hochul are are backing. Um, those are actually uh, slightly different. So those are not going to go through OSHA. Those are actually just mm, flat out mandates right, yeah. where the state is going to terminate employees who refuse to submit. Yeah. So you mentioned OSHA, and I want to I want to show this to you guys. Um, this is called the uh, General Duty Clause, and this is what uh, OSHA actually has the authority to to do. And so this is the general duty clause, and it says each employer shall furnish to each of his employees employment and a place of employment, which are free from recognized hazards that are causing or likely to cause death or serious physical harm to his employees. So the reason why I bring this up is because does OSHA really have the authority to enforce a vaccine mandate for COVID? I mean... I don't see in any way, shape, or form that COVID is likely to cause death or serious harm. 
Right. I mean, I think the what the government is going to try to say is that if you have an outbreak of COVID-19, it could cause a serious it could cause serious harm to, you know, a mm. workplace. You could have like a bunch of people get mass infected and it could cause serious harm. I, I don't think, though, that this really has a leg to stand on. I think that the I think that right now COVID still has uh, too high of a survival rate. There's still uh, a lot of options out there. A lot of people who don't even realize they have it because they have very minor cases of it. Um, and, and right now you're looking at pretty much 80% or very close to that of the country is already vaccinated. So mm-hmm. I think it's going to be really hard for them to to prove that uh, COVID-19 could cause, you know, serious harm in the workplace or, or potentially death in the workplace. And I think OSHA really doesn't want to enforce this. I think right. they're yeah. already understaffed. They already don't have the resources available to do uh, what they what they need to do. And I think, you know, we know that firsthand coming from working in a plant, actually, that OSHA really doesn't have a lot going on. So uh, it's, it's uh, it's going to be very difficult, I think, for them to enforce this in a widespread way. And, and especially yeah. like, you know, there's a lot of places that you don't think OSHA is going to be visiting very often that now they're going to be responsible to go in and, and see yeah. like, any place over 100 employees in the private sector. Yeah, I mean, and, and like just the, the few jobs that I've had, like I've been on both sides where I've been in a, a work environment where OSHA was like heavily regulating mm-hmm. and I've been in a, a job where OSHA was basically non-existent. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, yeah, it's funny because uh, working at a place where everything has to be OSHA regulated and then working at a place that that doesn't mm-hmm. like little you pick up on little things like like ladders and where it's supposed to be like, you know, like uh, and uh, uh, fire extinguishers are not up to date and stuff like that. You like right. pay attention to that kind of stuff. So like I mean, there's plenty of places that aren't really enforcing OSHA rules to begin with. Right. So, th- And typically when they are enforced, they're usually enforced by like an internal person. There's usually like a yeah. safety person or somebody who would like go and inspect those or audit things uh, versus actually OSHA themselves and inspecting or whatnot. Usually, typically the employer is going to provide somebody who monitors all of that stuff to prevent OSHA from coming in. OSHA yeah, is really so, kind of like a, if an employee turns yeah. you in type thing. I mean, right. sometimes they'll show up for these random inspections, but it's more so if you get turned in for safety violations, which is why most workplaces prevent that by having somebody in charge of that. So I feel like the only that. way that OSHA can make this work, because they don't have the manpower. Right. The only way that OSHA can make this work is if every employer that has over 100 employees has a dedicated, at least one dedicated employee to make sure that everybody's vaccinated. Right, right. And and then, like, if if they don't, I mean, like, it would take somebody turning them in more yeah, than likely. Yeah. It's, can you imagine, like, every single private sector place that has more than 100 employees? I mean, that's a massive amount of places. Uh, even, like, yeah. e- even just, like... A lot of paperwork. Yeah, you know, <laughs> not even, like, corporations we're talking. Like, there's just a lot of, a lot of businesses that have more than 100 employees. So... Yeah, I think it would really take employees just turning in workplace after workplace. And then how how long does it take for OSHA to get through that list of places that are being turned in? What do they prioritize one over the other? And then really, how does this affect their ability to monitor other safety hazards in the workplace? Things that are, are really killing more people than what COVID would. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that that's important. You know, if you're working in a, in a really dangerous construction area, you're more likely to die from falling off a ladder or falling off a roof or something like that if you're not following safety standards versus 
dying from getting COVID, contracting COVID on the workplace um, because you're not following safety standards. So I think it's a, a little bit different. And we're going to see, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested to see if OSHA kind of pushes back on this or if OSHA um, has any sort of representation when this goes to court. Uh, it'll be yeah. interesting really to see how they respond coming forward. They've expressed their displeasure, but we'll, it'll be interesting to see how they actually respond yeah. to this. Yeah, that, that's an, another question that, that I would have is like if when this if or when this goes to the Supreme Court, who's going to be like represented? Is it going to be so and so against the federal government or is it going to be so and so against OSHA? Mm -hmm. You know, that's all stuff that remains to be seen. I guess it depends what OSHA does or will OSHA have a court case against the federal government saying that right. we can't we can't really enforce this uh, right. so that, that things things to be looking forward uh, forward to coming down the pike here. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so the morality issue of this, uh, the religious issue of the vaccine in general, um, I want to show you guys this uh, pamphlet that comes from Immunize Nevada. Um, they have this uh, little pamphlet here that talks about vaccines and fetal cell line history. So I guess the main hubbub is how how much is uh, fetal cell lines used in these vaccines? Mm -hmm. And I want to draw you to this paragraph here. It says, are Pfizer and the Moderna COVID-19 vaccines developed using fetal cell lines? So typically in uh, drug research, they'll use fetal cell lines from aborted fetuses, um, Typically, like the the two in this case uh, is a kidney cell that was isolated from a terminated fetus in 1972 and another retinal cell line that was isolated from a term terminated fetus in 1985. Um, so they've been using from just the little research that I've done, they've been using these cells for many, many years, many decades, and it's been uh, replicated and mutated over and over again. So it's basically unrecognizable from the original cell line. Mm -hmm. um, but still, it you know, you, you trace it back to an aborted fetus, and there's a moral issue there uh, mm -hmm. for those people who are pro-life. And this it says, are the Pfizer and Moderna COVID-19 vaccines developed using fetal cell lines? It says the mRNA COVID-19 vaccines produced by Pfizer and Moderna do not require the use of any fetal cell cultures to manufacture the vaccine. Early in the development of mRNA vaccine technology, fetal cells were used to demonstrate how a cell could take up mRNA and produce the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein. So it seems like the technology that Pfizer and Moderna are using mm -hmm. once we use these uh, fetal cell lines in order to see how it reacts to the spike protein. And uh, the Johnson & Johnson, uh, is uh, am I in the way of it? Yeah. Uh, there you go. So on the paragraph to the right here, it's the Johnson and Johnson does require the use of fetal cell cultures, uh, specifically PERC six. Is that one of these? Yeah, the that's the the retinal cell line. Mm -hmm. uh, so <clears throat> things to unpack here. Um, what what do you think more morally? Like uh, I I think that people with religious beliefs and who are pro life, I think they do have a case. Mm -hmm. um, but I want to talk about our opinions. What what what's your opinion? So personally, you know, coming from coming from a, an anti-abortion stance, um, you know, we we believe specifically that all life is precious. Um, right. Of course, these these babies were aborted back in in the seventies and the eighties. Mm -hmm. So it leads to the question, you know, can something good come out of that? Um, but really, for me personally, I think that it depends on the case by case situation. I think it depends on whether 
the nurses who are presenting the religious argument actually believe what they're mm, saying and yeah. I, to me that integrity behind the intent is important uh, because are they are they just saying this to get out of doing the mandate um which you know nobody wants to be forced into a vaccination so it's, right. it's understandable that they're like clawing at you know whatever they possibly can or do these people genuinely have a conviction about using technology or using medicine that was developed using aborted fetal cells so m my question really would be do these individuals use other things that were developed using you know right, aborted yeah. fetal cells yeah. so so that really that that's really the the question behind it you know if uh, if it were not the question of uh, a mandated vaccine, but rather uh, terminal cancer. And the only treatment that they had was developed using fetal, uh, mm. aborted fetal cells. Would they have the same stance or the same religious objection? And I think that's something that only they can answer personally. I think that's something that only they really can, can hold themselves to that conviction. And uh, I don't think there's a really a way that the government or a judge can, un can, can do that individually you know yeah, you have to go through yeah. each person and look yeah. at their history and so on and so forth so i do think that if if there are people who are genuinely sticking to this because that is their conviction then yes they should be able to they should be able to use that that yep. should that should be their exemption from using this however if they're just using it as a way to get out of the vaccine mandate then i do think morally that that's an issue i think morally that's deceptive and it, it doesn't really stick true to the religious ground, so to speak, because really, if you're not holding to your integrity, then what religious yeah. grounds do you have? Yeah. So I think it's really case by case, but I, I don't think that there's a judge out there who can look at that individually. I think the judge is going to have to rule as a whole. And I think that they do have a case. Uh, so to me, this should be upheld. There should be religious exemption because there are people who genuinely are convicted in this way who yeah. sh who should have the right to object. Yeah, and and I know like uh you know like some Mormons and some Jehovah witness like they don't do anything. Right. Like they don't they so like even even going to take the fetal cell line out of it, they don't they don't put anything in their body because they mm -hmm. think that medicine is, you know, I mean, I don't want to speak for them because we don't believe what they believe. But from what I understand, right, right, so. right. There are there definitely are some religious groups that don't use any kind of vaccinations or anything yeah. because they they don't believe in the the science or the medicine behind it or or believe in the way that it was developed. Right. right. So, so what do you think as far as like the the moral grounds here? And do you think that there can be good that comes from using aborted fetal cell? Yeah. So um, I actually battled with this this very issue. Um, I thought about. Uh, using religious grounds in order to get out of a vaccine mandate. And then I really thought about it. I said, like, what, what, do, what do I really believe? And also the question that I pose to myself is if this was actually a public health emergency, if, like, I had a chance of dying from COVID, would I think the same way? Mm -hmm. And um, I was kind of, I, to, to admit, I was kind of on the, on the fence of using it as a way to get out of a mandate, mm -hmm. not really to use it as religious as a religious grounds as far as like morally. being morally yeah so um so then i really thought about it and you know and like i think i've come to the understanding that yes like the act of aborting was wrong mm -hmm. but there are many times in history where god took something that was evil and made it mm -hmm. for his good and i think like this is one of those examples where, you know, yes, the act of of aborting was wrong, but we were able to use it to improve something. We were able to use it to 
make a groundbreaking advancement in mm -hmm. science. And I think that that's the that's the good of humanity coming out with something that was evil. Mm -hmm. So it, it's not like it's not like abortion was illegal and they said, oh, we have to abort a baby in order to make this vaccine. So right. like that 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 to me is a moral issue. Mm -hmm. But they're using something that already happened and will say, well, we might as well make good of of this. Mm -hmm. So like that's that's how I feel about this as a moral issue. And and I know that not everybody's going to agree with me. It's like, oh, oh, you're using aborted fetus like it's it's wrong. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I respect that. Right. Um, but I've come to the conviction that, you know, like, yes, the act was evil, but that doesn't mean that we can't use it for good. Mm -hmm. So does that does that make sense? Is that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of my take on it. But also, we have to talk about the effectiveness of the vaccine. Right. Because that's another thing. Yeah, definitely. It's another issue. And we've had a, a couple things come out this week. Um, for instance, the the I think the biggest one that really took took uh, the beginning of the week, took the attention at the beginning of the week was uh, that it came out that the Pfizer vaccine after nine months is actually only 40 or 42 percent. 42 percent effective. Yeah, effective against the, the Delta variant, which is one of the big things that they were saying. Um, actually, I think this came out last week, uh, but that this was a uh, one of the things that they were saying coming from the White House, you need to get vaccinated to prevent yourself from getting the Delta variant. And really, the Delta variant is it's only it's only uh, effective 42 percent with the Pfizer vaccine. And then Moderna came out, I believe, Tuesday this week. Um, they came out with some some uh, results on a Moderna study stating that within nine months of receiving your first vaccination, you actually double your chance of receiving a breakthrough infection. So up to this point, they've been saying that it's the, the White House really has been saying that the unvaccinated are getting the vaccinated sick because the, the vaccinated have protected themselves. It's, it's the the irony of the whole statement. It just doesn't really mm -hmm. make a whole lot of sense. But what they're right. saying is that the vaccinated have protected themselves, but the unvaccinated are getting the vaccinated sick. When in reality, it's it's now uh, it's now kind of more apparent that as the as time goes on, the vaccines become less and less effective. So Moderna, by month nine, you you double your chance of getting a breakthrough infection versus people who are just being vaccinated. Yeah. So I think that that's important to note. Um, and it's important to note that there is a lot of research coming out suggesting that the reason that we're seeing these mutated viruses is because these vaccines are actually not, uh, they're not suitable enough to to actually take care of the the infection. Right. And so it's causing the infections to mutate into something bigger. So the the problem that we're seeing is that there's just a lot of information coming out that suggests that the vaccines are not as effective as they want you to believe and that over time you obviously are even more at risk and and then further are you helping to mutate the virus by getting vaccinated. Yeah, yeah. And they also yeah. say like uh, natural immunity is like 14 times more effective or something. Than... Yeah, yeah. Every study has, you know, and you guys, uh, I encourage you guys to do the research yourself. Uh, right. We don't have sources for that, but just the research that we've been doing uh, and you'll see other people uh, talk about how natural immunity is not being talked about. Right. Um, natural immunity by every study over the course of history of viruses have always been more effective right. than a vaccine. And that, that doesn't mean that vaccines are bad or counterproductive, because I do think that vaccines can be productive and are have been productive. Um, we, we have smallpox, polio, things like that. You know, like I'm all for those. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, there's something about natural immunity, especially with a virus that is 
and I can't believe this is controversial. It is not deadly. Mm-hmm. The COVID is not deadly for a healthy individual. Right. Uh, so I definitely think that natural immunity is important. Uh, I would say as deadly because obviously yeah. we have had young, healthy people that yeah, have yes. passed away from, right. from that. But we've also had young, healthy people that pass away from a lot of other things yeah. that uh, young, healthy people aren't as, as severe uh, risk of, yeah. of being um of, of dying from. So, right, right. you know, I think we have to point out that really with any medical issue, it, whether or not you're in the high risk group or not, there's always a chance of dying. But yes, you know, with a with the survival rate as high as the coronavirus has right now, it, it begs the question of whether or not uh, these vaccines are actually effective and whether or not you have a, a greater immunity by allowing your body to to work naturally. Yeah. So let's talk about this study. The Mayo Clinic actually came out with a study. Uh, this is courtesy of MedRxIV. This talks about the uh, the preprint, the abstract of the study. Uh, we'll just go through this real quick. It talks about clinical trials uh, and real-world studies have affirmed the effectiveness and safety of the FDA-authorized COVID-19 vaccines. Um, so this uh, Mayo Clinic health system over... Uh, studied over time from January to July of 2021, during which either the Alpha or the Delta variant were highly prevalent. And they talk about the effectiveness of Moderna, Pfizer. Uh, I don't know if Johnson Johnson's on here. I don't I don't think Johnson Johnson's on. I think they just did Moderna and Pfizer. Uh, so it's a little it's a little bit confusing because they, they kind of use like codes in order to uh, if you could follow me here, they kind of use codes. So like Moderna is the mRNA-1273, and the Pfizer is the BNT162B2. Uh, so if we come down here, where it says both vaccines were highly effective during the study period against SARS-CoV-2 infection, mRNA-1273, so that's Moderna, was 86% effective. BNT162B2, that's the Pfizer, 76% effective. And... This uh, COVID-19 associated hospitalizations. Uh, so against hospitalizations, Moderna, 91.6% effective. Uh, Pfizer, BNT, 162B2, 85% effective. So that was that was in that was in January. So good numbers there. I would mm-hmm. say the, those are great numbers. Mm-hmm. However, in July, the effectiveness against the infection was considerably lower. And here's the mRNA-1273, which is the Moderna, 76% effective. And then BNT162B2, this is where that 42% effective comes in. Mm -hmm. So we can see that over time, it seems like that these vaccines don't really do as well as we're being told. Right. They don't hold up. And and that that really begs the question of what the necessity of them are. Right. uh, and, and, And really when you should get it. So if you get it now... You're protected for what six to nine months, mm-hmm. and then and then what? You know, so they're they're talking about developing some uh, booster shots. It's it's a it's a lot because there's different age groups that are becoming eligible yeah. for vaccination. Are these booster shots going to be safe for those different age groups? Um, for different uh, you know different groups of people, such as women who are pregnant or um, or are, you know, have given birth recently. Yeah. Is it going to be safe? So they've come out and they've said, you know, uh, don't get it if you're pregnant. Now it's safe to get it if you're pregnant. Don't get it if you're young. Now it's safe yeah, to get it if you're young. So there's that, just a that's lot. That's such a good point. Like, I, I feel like this is this is one I want to stress on is that 
if you haven't been paying attention, you need to start paying attention because what what did we start with? We started with 14 days to slow the to slow the curve. To yeah, well, they say the hardest part of 14 days to slow the curve is always the first 18 yeah. months. Yeah. Oh, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. So, so you yeah. know, we're we're right in that real hard <laughs> yeah. part. Oh uh, yeah. Right. Okay. So hopefully it'll pass. Yeah, I think yeah. so. <laughs> but no, if you've been paying attention, if you haven't been paying attention, this is this is the 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 language that has been occurring throughout this whole pandemic mm-hmm. being pushed by the media and the left is that oh if we just do this then co well, then we can beat covid right if we just do this we can beat covid mm-hmm. if we just do this we can beat covid and it's going on and on and on at first it was mask and shelter in place for 14 mm-hmm. days yep then it was okay we got a mask and shelter in place until we can crush the curve mm-hmm. and then it was okay we, if we could just get to the development of these vaccines mm-hmm. and then it was oh if we can just get people to take the vaccines right when does it stop the problem is it's right. never going to stop right because right now there's just still so little information on that and that's why there's there's a lot of people who are holding out there's a lot of people who are saying we don't feel comfortable with this there's yeah. a lot of people and and now um i'm i'm seeing like crazy things happening in workplaces where they're offering money they're firing people they're requiring it even uh just recently i talked to somebody that i know that their job place actually gave everybody a dollar raise and uh that's to to uh reward them for putting themselves at risk by staying in the workplace during this this pandemic time and actually if they don't receive the vaccine by a certain amount of time they lose that dollar raise wow so the only people who keep that dollar raise are the people who get vaccinated so you're seeing like manipulation of your workforce you're seeing a lot of stuff like that rather than just rewarding the workforce because they're staying loyal and they're st- and they're working and they're doing what they're supposed to do in a time when a lot of people are not working and a lot of people are not staying loyal mm-hmm. to their employees. Um, instead, it's they're actually using it as a manipulation to force their workforce to get vaccinated. So you're just seeing a lot of craziness happen out there. And I don't think that a lot of people feel comfortable ever acting out or or making a step or making a change when there's so much confusion going on. I think it muddles the water. It's hard for people to understand like where uh, where the lines are, what's actually true, what's not. And so I think that 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 really is is the bottom line. Like people just don't know. There's too much conflicting information. There's too many mm. people coming out and saying one thing versus another. It's just uh and and credible people. We're not talking about like you know just wacko people who come out because they're anti-vaccination we're talking about credible people who are coming out on both sides of the aisle and so i think that's why it's so important not to mandate this to allow people to do the research to look at what's going on to see the results of other people being vaccinated what they've gone through the effectiveness of it are they are do you you know do you know or are you seeing a lot of people who are having breakthrough cases after yeah, certain yeah. periods of time yeah. i think it's important for people to be able to look into that and do their own research and make right. up their own minds according yeah. to what their health requires yeah this the the way that we have been top-down governing for quite some time now and even trump was guilty of some of it is just not is not the american way mm-hmm. like it, we have 50 states with 330 million people in mm-hmm. this country we have all different kinds of ways of life we have all different kinds of cultures you know, just from us traveling recently, how much different is it down south than it is up here? Like, oh, it's, I mean, it's massively yeah, different. Yeah, I mean, right. the people live different lives, mm-hmm. and so like this top-down control isn't going to work with everybody. It doesn't right. matter. It doesn't even matter what's right or what's wrong. The fact that you're doing it across the board mm-hmm. is going to cause some problems. Absolutely. So, um, not to not to not to beat this too hard, uh, and we'll move on from COVID in a little bit. I just found this interesting. 
um, that, you know, we there's some businesses that are pushing back from this vaccine mandate. Right. And I wanted to do a little bit of research on it and come to find out. Uh, I, I'm not usually too much into the conspiracy theories, um, but uh, just doing a quick Google search, I had trouble finding uh, what what businesses are pushing back against the vaccine. And I know there there are some. Mm-hmm. So I want to show you guys a quick comparison here. This is this is doing a, a Google search of businesses against vaccine mandate. And the top stories we have are, you know, Biden meets with executives at Disney, Microsoft, Walgreens, and other companies on the mandate. Companies uh, grapple with questions about COVID-19 vaccine mandates. 24 stats, states threaten to sue Biden over vaccine mandate for businesses. So, you know, we got out of the top stories, we got one story that talks about maybe, you know, uh, people suing Biden over vaccine mandates. We come down to like top links and articles talks about challenges from the New York Times, what businesses are saying about the new vaccine mandate. Companies grapple with the questions about it. Some businesses welcome vaccine mandate. Here are some companies mandating vaccines for all or some. Here's who loves Biden's vaccine mandate. I mean, is this what I searched for? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Companies who will navigate Biden's vaccine mandate. So like on and on, like not even on the first page, there's not one article that talks about businesses that are actually against it. Right. I, mean, I think it's because, you know, Google really knows your heart. And so. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it knows <laughs> so you know what, what you want to search, search for, right, for right. in your heart. Right. Yeah. But, it really knows your heart. So. What I found interesting is I just used one other search engine. I used DuckDuckGo. I typed in the same thing. Businesses against vaccine mandate. And the top three articles talk about businesses against the vaccine mandate. Right. So like and, and like these these aren't like. Articles that are like nobody's ever heard of like i mean if i click on this first one citizens journal i mean this comes from the daily caller i mean everybody knows what the daily caller is like this isn't something that like is deep in the dark web or something and then we have another one from the western journal Mm -hmm. talking about business groups push back against the vaccine mandate so it's very it's just very interesting i found that very interesting that uh it seems that I think there's an agenda being pushed and the private sector is helping push that agenda, don't you think? Right, I do. And so I think that's why when you're doing your vaccine research, you should probably not use Google. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it seems like uh, there's a there's a lot of corporations that are now uh, working with the federal government that are now working with um, the local governments and they are controlling the information that you're seeing regularly or the information that is easily presented to you. And we know that because Jen Psaki um, confirmed that uh, during one of the the briefings at the White House that uh, they actually work with Facebook now to to let Facebook know what is fake news and what is not fake news. So Mm -hmm. just like the, the total reach into journalism coming from the government, coming from, you know, local and federal government is absolutely insane. So yeah, I definitely think that that affects what you're seeing. And I think um, not just with COVID, but we're seeing that even with Afghanistan, correct? Um, So uh, what right after the suicide bombings, the federal government sent in a drone to Mm -hmm. uh, supposedly take care of the ISIS-K leaders or group who had who had taken carried out the act of the the suicide bombing or had uh initiated the act obviously they're not the ones who carried out the suicide bombing but (laughs) so um so this u.s drone strike happened uh right around that time which was weeks ago now and uh the white house has been continually pressed on the issue 
who did the drone strike actually get? And the White House has been consistent in saying that they, um, they're they not releasing names, but they were able to get the target that they were going after. Yeah. Um, so that... that's that's what they've been consistently saying. We got who we were going after. Yeah. Uh, but that that's come out to be untrue this week. Is right. that correct? Yeah. So the, the Pentagon uh, just this weekend has just confirmed that the drone strike did kill 10 civilians, uh, courtesy of the Daily Wire reporting this. Uh, the U.S. killed 10 civilians, including seven children, in a failed strike on alleged ISIS target. Uh, so this, this to me is is all about timing, I think. So on August 29th, when the drone strike took place, there was reports then that were right. talking about, I don't, like, it was, uh, of course, speculation wasn't confirmed because yeah. the White House wasn't saying anything. They were just saying, oh, well, we got our target. Right. But it was people were reporting then. I think even the New York Times. I mean, let me know if I'm wrong, but I think like New York Times, Washington Post, there they were, were saying questions back then. There yeah. were questions back then. They were saying that we believe that civilians were killed in this drone strike. Right, and I think that's what's led to the continually que continual questioning in the White House uh, yeah. of Jen Psaki. Because she's been questioned about this several times. You know, who did this actually get? Who did you actually get? Who did you actually get? And, yeah. that, and they've just had that consistent message. We got who we wanted to get, yeah. which is another blatant lie from the White House. They yeah. knew they didn't get who they wanted to, um, but they didn't want to release the information that they had actually screwed up, that they killed a humanitarian yeah. aid worker Right. And they killed, uh, you know, seven children and two other adult civilians. They didn't want to release that information. So they blatantly have been lying from the White House until the Pentagon actually came out and confirmed that what everybody thought was true actually is true. Yeah. And it's very interesting how this all progressed. Do you, do you think that the reason for holding off that information and then doing the vaccine mandates and then just kind of releasing a statement about it later. I mean, right. the timing of it kind of seems a little sketch sketch, don't you think? Right. I think, honestly, um, I think this uh, particular White House administration has used COVID to distract from a lot of things that are going on. So I think every time that there's been something serious that they've been accused of or that they have done wrong, they've come out with some sort of big news on mm -hmm. COVID-19. Uh, and I, I think you see them using COVID-19 and the scare tactics of the last year year um that that they have used that to cover up what's going on and to hide their uh their faults and their mistakes yeah yeah so uh the u.s failed here they didn't get their target they lied they said they got their target but the government lied yeah the government lied said they got their target but there is good news um the french have done it for us yeah <laughs> so good old france coming yeah. in to save the day again <laughs> yeah also courtesy of the daily wire uh the french president uh emmanuel macron has announced on wednesday that you that french forces have killed an isis leader in africa who was responsible for killing several u.s troops and several french charity workers so i mean i I'm glad for this win for for the uh, for France, um, but it also kind of like breaks my heart and it kind of sucks and it kind of makes me question, you know, the strength of the U.S. government saying that we don't have the resources, we can't carry on th certain mm -hmm. things, we we don't have the manpower, we don't have the technology, whatever whatever the excuses of the day, right? And France was just able to do it, like right. France of all countries. I mean. I mean, yes, they used to be a powerhouse, but as of the last 150 years, they right. have been 
not really a force to be reckoned and, with. And you've seen them actually battle a lot internally with uh, with terrorism due yeah. to right. due to immigration into the country. So they've really had a, a lot going on uh, in that country for the last few years. Uh, certainly more so than we have on homeland, obviously. Uh, so I think that it's interesting to note that they just went in there and took care of this. Something that, in my opinion, the U.S. government could have easily done. Easily. Uh, and then they screwed it up and then they lied about it and then they actually, instead of making it right, like they didn't even they didn't even pursue it and try to make it right they were like oh we we screwed up and we'll just we'll just fake it till we have to let everybody know we'll just we'll yeah. pretend that we did the right thing until everybody finds out so it's it, it's just a crazy uh, turn of events and something that you're not hearing a lot about i mean because really uh, obviously because we follow conservative news outlets it's something that we've heard about but i have not seen this really on a major headline of a of a uh, left-leaning yeah, yeah. media outlet. And I'm sure that's not to say that they haven't reported on it, but it's to say that it's not being plastered all over the news. And that's concerning. It's concerning that the media isn't just tearing the Biden administration apart over lie after lie after lie after lie. Instead, they're doing a lot of sweeping things under the rug, a lot of covering up, uh, which is, is really crazy. You know, it's crazy to me, especially because the Biden administration really is the greatest threat to uh, the to, to mainstream media because yeah. they are are censoring so much of what's coming out. So I think that that's, that's really concerning that the media is so far in the federal government's pocket. Right, yeah. It, it, it's it's sad because, like, what, what else is going on that we don't know about? That, right. You know, the, the media have a job, mm -hmm. and they're obviously not doing that job, and, right. and instead they are using their resources as a pundit to make the federal government look better than it is. Right. So what else... Are we do we not know like right. what what bombshells would the media otherwise if they were doing their job release. let release mm -hmm. so I mean it's very concerning uh, coming from this uh, administration that's supposed to be the most moral administration ever in mm -hmm. American history uh, so they say that they claim that uh, <laughs> for most moral they've been going after Texas a lot lately because of the the new Texas heartbeat laws and and the fact that Texas is fighting against uh, abortion which is great um, you know I'm, I, it's awesome for Texas but they also now are fighting against uh, you know illegal immigration yeah. because Biden has basically opened the borders and now you've got um, Greg Abbott coming out and just saying you know but I'm the governor and we're we're tired of allowing so many illegal immigrants over the border and we're going to do yeah. something about this. So yeah. what does he come out with? So uh, another article courtesy of the Daily Wire, uh, Greg Abbott uh, claims that the Biden administration has flip-flopped on border strategy. Mm -hmm. So uh, the border has just been a mess, absolutely a mess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Governor Greg Abbott is just kind of taking matters into his own hands. And mm -hmm. it's sad that he has to use state funding in order to protect his borders. I mean, that, Absolutely. that's like the one job that the federal government should have is protect mm -hmm. our borders, right, mm -hmm. uh, from foreign entities. Something the previous administration was very, very... Uh, adamant about, adamant. Yes. yes. Yeah, for yes. sure. So uh, according to this article, supposedly uh, Biden did reach out to the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, and told him to lock down his borders. But then... 
flip-flopped and said six hours later that, no, you, you shouldn't do that. He probably forgot the yeah. initial phone call, I'm guessing. He probably did. He probably, he honestly probably he, did. It was, like, probably in his journal, like, call Governor Greg Abbott, and, and he couldn't remember if he had done it already, and then yeah. so he called him a second time and just, like, got confused, you know. So who who actually knows, who knows, you know? Or maybe he got confused the first time. We don't know because, you know, the White House has either been confused or lied about pretty much everything since this administration has taken yeah. place. <laughs> yeah, and, and we're not exaggerating here, as we'll, as we'll point out, because uh, Governor Abbott has shut down at least six points of entry across the Texas-Mexico border, and uh, this, is, this is what it looks like. So here we have a drone image of what it looks like an, an underpass on the Texas-Mexico border. Uh, here's here's another screenshot, and we just see I, I, there's th- thousands. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I can't I can't remember exactly how much, but I th- I think I want to say like six to ten thousand. I think they were saying so. Right, and you know, crazy enough, in, in, in an effort to hide the seriousness of what's going on, the Biden administration actually came out and banned uh, drones from flying over the area and getting footage yeah. of this. Yeah. So that that came out Friday. That drones are no longer allowed to come through and get footage of this mess that's occurring at the border right now. Yeah, we can see that there's just thousands of people lining up here at the border. And what what I want to point out here is look look how many border patrol agents there are right. compared to the amount of like that that to me is crazy. Like right. I, I, this still image paints it perfectly. Mm-hmm. There, I see what one, two, three, four, maybe five border agents on that screen. Right. And there's thousands upon thousands of people, and they're not being held back by really anything. Like just like just a wire fence. Just a wire fence. Like that to me, that's a scary situation for these guys, right. and um, it really shows that we are not on top of this border issue. Absolutely. It, well, I mean, how can you be on top of a border issue when uh, the Biden administration basically opened borders and said, yeah. "Come on in"? So, you know, that's I don't think you can really uh, you you can't really fix a, a leaky sink if you don't actually patch it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you you know if you if you open up your open up your pipes and then turn on the water, it's going to leak. So yeah. you it, it's something that that you really uh you really have to look at the administration, look at what they've actually done, what they've actually said, what they're actually uh, encouraging. And then, you know, now they say, well, go ahead now lock down your borders. Oh, don't lock down your borders. Like this crazy mess that's going on with illegal immigration, crazy mess of people coming over who are unvetted, who are unvaccinated, yeah. you know, people who are human trafficking, human trafficking children into the area. I mean, we've had reports of uh, people coming to pick up ch- child migrants from, um, you know, different facilities and taking 20 or 30 kids at a time and that and then the government has no idea where those children are now so i mean there's just huge concerns over what's going on and uh, there's a lot of people say well we should open up the borders because it'll be a better place for these people to live but is it a better place for them to live if these 20 and 30 children are being picked up by strangers and then being human trafficked into yeah into into, uh sex slavery and other things so it's it, it it's uh it's an absolute crazy mess that's going on and these people think they're coming here for a better life and some of them may get a better life but that is not going to be the case for a large portion of them. They are not going to have better lives being human trafficked. They're not going to have better lives being sold into sex slavery. Slavery. They're not going to have better lives in that aspect being separated from their families, and not because you know Trump is putting them in cages, but simply because the uh, the border cannot handle what's going on right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well put. And it it it, sh- it shows that you know the the strategy of the Biden administration has always been. You know, uh, to further your analogy about the sink, where if 
if there's leaky pipes, they'll just put on a new faucet and be like, hey, look, look how nice this looks. Right, look at how nice the faucet <laughs> yeah. is. Right. So, like, I, I mean, the, this this is another one of those examples, and one of their ways to kind of uh, silence, like you said, is that they're not allowing drone footage in this these locations. Like, mm-hmm. is is it really a, a safety issue to have like a drone flying around? Yeah. No, I think it's to kind of silence and to shut down what it actually is going on. So, right. I mean, that's important to point out. So. Uh, yeah, a, a lot of silencing going on lately. And uh, what do we have on For the Entertainment this week? Yeah, this week on For the Entertainment, um, we have some good and, and some bad, unfortunately. Um, so there is a, uh, a gaming, uh, a video game publisher called Tripwire. And just recently, their CEO got ousted, was forced to resign over a tweet. And this is what that this is what that tweet said. It said. John Gibson says, proud of U.S. Supreme Court affirming the Texas law banning abortion for babies with a heartbeat. As an entertainer, I don't get political often. Yet with so many vocal peers on the other side of this issue, I felt it was important to go on the record as a pro-life game developer. So I don't think there's really much controversy here. Um, Right. I I think he's just making his opinion known, uh, not really... I guess coming against the other side, um, but just making making a statement, mm-hmm. you know, affirming Texas law, affirming the abortion, banning abortion for babies with a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's interesting to note that um, really having an opinion in 2021 is wrong unless yeah. your opinion goes with what you have been told the masses believe, um, which is not even necessarily the case. It's just what you've been told the masses believe. So it's it's really uh, it's really bad to have an opinion right now. If you have an opinion, you uh, probably shouldn't speak it. Um, I feel like we're going we're going back to the to the days of uh, of. Uh, you know, Aaron Burr or something like, you know, yeah. the, the less that you speak and the less the less controversial you are, yeah. the better. And really, what what kind of craziness is that? That we're teaching yeah. people not to take a take a stance, that we're teaching people not to take a, a moral ground, right. you know, one way or the other. So I think it's I think this is such a negative thing. And I think it's a negative thing coming from either side. I I never uh, I never, ever support shutting down people's opinions because everybody has the right to their opinion and their belief. And it's great to be able to sit down and discuss those and talk about i think we talked about this some during um our little bonus episode about why we're conservative yeah. but i think it's so important for people to be able to discuss both sides of the fence because extremes of either side can be very dangerous extremes yeah. of, of either the left or the right can be very and dangerous th- this this discussion of abortion there's always been two sides to it right there's and and like it 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 doesn't matter what side is right or wrong i mean i would not want this guy to lose his job if he was pro-choice and he said, oh, I'm against the heartbeat law, it's, uh, right. you know, it's against women's rights and everything like that. If he's if he tweeted that out, guaranteed he still has a job. Right. But oh, because yeah, he because he mentioned uh, pro-life, he he, it, he didn't he didn't even say anything controversial, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He just said that he's glad that the Texas law was upheld mm-hmm. and the Supreme Court did its job. The, the Supreme Court did its job. Mm-hmm. He didn't say that, oh, if you're pro-choice, you're a murderer. He didn't, like, he didn't call out a group of people. Uh, To me, like, this was not anything controversial. He was just making his opinion and... Going on the record on his personal account, he didn't. Right. He didn't say in the name of Tripwire. He right. didn't say anything. Tripwire like that. isn't mentioned at all in this. Right. It's not listed at all in the in the tweet or anywhere uh, with his information in the tweet. Nothing like right. that. So if you just looked at this 
this tweet not knowing who he was you'd have no association with the company at all yeah so yeah so quite crazy uh that that's happening and we're seeing it more and more we're, we're especially seeing it i mean we saw a lot of controversy not with uh you know abortion but we saw some controversy this week with rose mcgowan with uh with Nicki minaj a lot of uh them coming out and saying something that is considered not part of the the mainstream uh opinion and and so they've been you know just been attacked by fans they've been attacked by media they've been called dangerous you know mm -hmm. so it's there's just a lot of this kind of stuff coming out where if you have an opinion that is is alternative to the the far left then um you're you're most likely going to face backlash and now we're seeing that you're facing backlash in the workplace crazy yeah. absolutely insane it's, it's very sad and like the, to me like i know we've seen this you know it seems like hundreds of times by now mm -hmm. but like this one in particular was just so crazy to me just because of the way he he worded it so well i think mm -hmm. and like made it so that it wasn't controversial right and just made his opinion known that he's pro-life right i mean that that's crazy like that, that someone says oh i'm pro-life yep you're you're done you're terminated, you're, you're terminated. right uh, that to me is very dangerous very very dangerous it is very dangerous um you know almost i think as dangerous as uh the steelers playing the raiders this week oh right? yeah very dangerous <laughs> so uh dangerous for the raiders oh right? dangerous for the raiders <laughs> ah. yeah so we uh we have uh two new games this week uh for our teams uh you were actually really close last week uh, for the score or for the Broncos game. So uh, that congratulations, kudos yeah. to you. Yeah, I was um, uh, uh, the winner. <clears throat> well, we we both won. We both predicted correctly. I was closer. So <laughs> you were a little bit closer. Uh, but the the Steelers did uh, have a win against the Bills, and the Broncos did have a win uh, last week. So I'm really excited yeah, that so we're both one to know. The Broncos are playing the Jaguars this week, correct? Yep. Are they in? Are they in Florida or are they at home? Yeah, they're at they're at Jacksonville. Okay. Um, so uh, it's another away game, but uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty confident. I think I think you should be. I think uh, obviously the probably the biggest <laughs> the biggest threat to your team is going to be the acclimation. Yeah, I would think uh, going from those mountains all the way down to Florida. That's quite a that's yeah. quite a, a jump in. Uh, in the the weather and the heat and the the air, so I think that's probably your biggest threat. But I think yeah, I think you guys looked really good last week. I was really uh, impressed with your quarterback. Teddy so, Bridgewater looked awesome last week. Yeah, I was he did. So so happy. A lot of like really scrambly plays, and he just like pulled out some just really good moves in the in the midst of pressure. So that was interesting to see something we didn't really see out of Drew Locke last year. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so. I think that we'll we'll have an okay time, and I think that you guys will have an okay time against the Raiders because you guys are home this week. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think uh, you guys are going to do very well. I mean, the Raiders did not look good at home last week. They, they did not. They had a rough week yeah. last week. Yeah, I think that, you know, like, and I, I think it was more coaching issues. Uh, mm -hmm. It seemed like the it seemed like the players were fine. I mean, they they put up they put up thirty points or whatever. Um, yeah, but wasn't there some crazy debacle in uh, at the end during overtime? They yeah. they really almost lost the game with some silly stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Being at the one yard line in overtime, I think that you should be able to. If you can't run it in four time with four tries, then you don't deserve to win. Yeah. Well, they couldn't run it in, and they still won. So yeah. um, I think uh, I, I think it was more of a, a coaching issue, maybe getting off uh, week one jitters or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I I don't think the Steelers should sleep on the Raiders. No, absolutely um, not. But uh, I think that they'll they'll be okay and they'll win handily at home. I'm going to predict I'm going to say uh 28 to 14. 28 to 14. I'm going to say for uh for Broncos, I would love to see uh maybe 
I'm thinking, I'm thinking, let's go with, let's go with 20. So let's go with, with 20 Broncos, three Jags. Okay. So I'm, I'm thinking, okay. I'm thinking okay. a couple touchdowns, a couple, a couple, uh, a couple field goals. And then I think maybe the Jags might put up a, a field goal. Nice. So. All right. So our defense is going to so hold them to three points. I yeah. like that. Yeah, so I really 23. like that. All right. I was, I was, I was going to say you were kind of lowballing us on the score, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with 20 to three. Yeah. 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 You know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, the Jags, uh, I, I think that the Jags have a really great chance to win against the 2020 Steelers team. But other than that, they're, <laughs> they're looking a little rough. So, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so we're excited for the games. Yeah. Week, excited for football in general and, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully your team has won this week. And, and unless uh, it's the Raiders or the Jags. Yeah, unless it's the Raiders and the Jacks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, enjoy, enjoy this weekend. Enjoy football. And uh, we'll see you next time, guys.